It seems like we only do podcasts when uh, we have an event coming up lately, and we we do continue to promise to rectify that. But um, we're T minus two days and counting away from the inaugural Barclay Cup, which is um, the first ever female tournament um, hosted in Australia. And uh, with us today, we've got the two gentlemen behind the initiative, Gareth Jones, CEO of Baseball Queensland, and David Hayes, Participation Manager of Baseball Western Australia, uh, on the line to to chat with us and sort of step us through this initiative and how it came about. Gentlemen, good afternoon and thanks for coming on. Always the challenge of doing a podcast remotely without being able to see each other, so we'll try not to talk over each other uh, too much. But I guess the thing that, that I'm really interested in is how did this initiative um, come about? What what was the sort of thought bubble that you guys had that uh, hey, this is a good idea and we should we should pursue it? Uh, well, I can I can go on that, Stu. The um, the participation managers throughout Australia meet on a regular basis. We have a an online forum and we've been meeting sort of monthly for for quite some time now and really just to brainstorm different ideas and, and problems we might be having at a state level or things that we can do collectively as, as a group of states that um, that would help the, the participation rates of, of the sport. Uh, and it might be things that maybe only affect one state or there might be common issues and we can we can brainstorm them out and, and have chats and try and come up with with different solutions and whether that's in in the T ball space or whether it's schools baseball or or things in remote communities or whatever it happens to be that's that's the problem that we're trying to work with. Um, we we've got a forum that we can that we can have a, a chat about all those sorts of things and when we first started the forum, Gareth was actually the participation manager in, in Queensland. So Gareth had a, a really big role in terms of being part of part of the forum itself. And Michael Ibbotson was the, the participation manager at Baseball New South Wales and he was uh, a, a big driver in a lot of the stuff that, um, that we used to deal with. And unfortunately, um, Ibo is no longer uh, with us, which is a real shame. Um, but between all the participation managers, one of the things we um, we uh, identified pretty early on in the piece is a lack of a specific uh, female pathway in terms of not just performance, because I think there's... I noticed in your intro you said the Barclay Cup was the first uh, female tournament. Well, there's, there's the Australian Youth Women's Championship that Baseball Australia runs, um, which is very much a performance-based... Uh, event which is state versus state but we identified that for for sort of not the performance focused athlete but those who enjoy playing the sport love it want to play baseball forever there was sort of a lack of a lack of a pathway for the for the experience you know having a great experience um, beyond club ball and so we as a group wanted to create an event that wasn't focused on winning or losing or who's batting 500 or how many home runs did you hit. But for all the girls to come together in one location from wherever they were in Australia to come together and play in a, in a friendship tournament and have a really good time. Um, and that was really the, the genesis of the, of the Barclay Cup. Um, and particular, particularly um, the first season being on the Gold Coast, which is such a great holiday uh, destination 
um, that obviously adds to the experience of all the things there are to to do on the Gold Coast. And we've been really fortunate that in the first season we've been able to get nine teams from different parts of Australia to come together in one location for a week of fun more than anything else. I did realise that I fired off as soon as I said it um, with some factually inaccurate information, but a podcast technically being the media, you don't really have to be accurate anyway. So um, appreciate you cleaning that up for me. <laughs> um, appreciate you cleaning that up for me. Um, so how does a how does like a in inverted commas how does a friendship series differ from a, a national championship? Is it more real emphasis on participation, playing the game, having fun, kind of showing? showing girls that there are pathways um, cause, because knowing human nature, people will be trying to win this thing. I think um, it starts with how we identify the, the players that want to be involved. So rather than selecting players and, and you know having a, a tryout where players turn up and then culling them down to a, a competitive team, uh, what we've tried to do is uh, provide a place for everyone to play. So for the, the girls that want to play but might not have a team, um, while we haven't got there this time, we've kind of been able to find a spot for everybody. In the future, it's kind of anticipated that uh, if everybody's had a great time at this event, they go home and talk about it. Um, you know, more kids want to play in the future. Um, we can expand the number of teams and therefore give more kids an opportunity to go. So we're not about trying to limit the number of teams that are participating. We're trying to provide a place for everyone to play. I guess that's the first part of it. And then um, everybody likes the, the competition element. I mean, that's part of why you play. So we, we do keep score. It's just the emphasis is more on participation um, and making sure everybody gets an opportunity to get on the field. There's um, also going to be like a, a rest period, so a, a day off in the middle of the event where they can go as a team and do some sort of sightseeing or maybe go to a theme park, that sort of thing, um, and do a bit of team building. So it's more of an experiential um, event rather than just a pure baseball event. In many of the um, Australian Youth Championships, we've folded in an element of testing or showcasing uh, athletes as sort of a way of it's not just your ability to play the game, but what are the physical skill sets you bring um, to the sport. Is, is that something that will be included here? And I was And I was thinking that it could be an interesting way of identifying talent, particularly people who, you know, baseball's a relatively new sport for females on this level. Um, that testing component could be an interesting way of sort of kind of planting a seed in someone that, hey, you've got the skills required to play the sport at a higher level. Has that been considered as part of this or was it just early steps and let's just play some games and, and have fun and, um, you know, get as many games in as we can? There's a, there's a bit of risk involved. With, with testing, right? And if you if you do it at a participation level, um, it can be a deterrent to mm. some participants. Mm. Um, it might it, they might feel like they're under the microscope. So I think um, you know for for the HP level athlete, um, you know they're they're genuinely purely engaged for the improvement in their own skill level. They're trying to you know compete at the highest level they can. Um, whereas I think this event is largely more for participation and focused on participation. And therefore, um, at least I'd like to see more of the the, the participants, um, you know, engaged just for for the love of playing it rather than 
uh, necessarily trying to go anywhere. Um, and therefore, you know, when, you, when you're trying to target or cater to um, athletes in that or, or participants in that sort of um, part of the pathway, it can be a deterrent when you start testing them and showing their results. And I mean, one of the, one of the things that we try to do in our programs is um, avoid comparing um, junior athletes to other junior athletes. Um, if you're going to test them, it, it's always better off, even with our high-performance programs for the younger guys, it's always better off to give them their report card rather than post it for everyone to see um, because the intent is that they get to assess themselves against their past performance because that's how we assess them. Are they improving? Are they trending in the right direction rather than trying to compare them against other athletes because it's really not fair on the kids. Um, you know, As they get older and obviously start to move into the professional ranks and that sort of stuff if that's their goal then it becomes more appropriate to compare them against other athletes because they're competing for roster spots and that sort of thing and for a job but um, up until that point especially when they're young we just try to compare them against their own past performance and it's important that that the Barclay Cup as an event is positioned differently to the Australian Youth Women's Championship which is very much a performance-focused event. So the, I think the two events kind of, uh, they're, di- they're, different, they're different objectives. They're aimed differently in the market. They have different outcomes in terms of them being a successful event or not. And the testing element is probably more uh, something that that uh, could be done as part of the Australian Youth Women's Championship, which is very much a performance rather than a than a participation event. So um, there's room in the calendar and in the pathway for uh, both events to coexist really nicely side by side because they are so different in terms of the philosophies on which they were built. It was a very interesting spin on the testing side of things there, Gareth, which I'd never heard it articulated that way. So that was, um, yeah, actually very insightful. I uh, had never really thought about that methodology and the way that you've described it actually sort of takes some of the pressure off kids who, of course, everybody measures themselves against others when oftentimes they should be measuring themselves against themselves. So, um, yeah, that was uh, that was insight that I wasn't expecting. Um, so thanks for that. Well, that's all right. It's a little bit unrealistic for, for some kids to compare themselves against others because they, you know, they, they have different levels of maturation and, it, and it's not even based on their age, right? Everybody develops at different rates. So you could have a really advanced 16-year-old who the other kids just don't compete because that kid just matured earlier than everybody else. But, you know, if, if they're comparing themselves against that kid, then it can be pretty deflating for them. Um, yeah, you're talking to a guy who hit puberty at about 21 here, mate. So I completely agree with everything, everything you say. Yeah. Um, one of the things you, one of the things that sort of stood out to me is that sort of age range that you're targeting is between sort of 13 and 16. Um, but that's, but sort of along those lines, there's quite a difference in physical maturity um, in that age with with female athletes. How do you cater to you know talent or, or people who want to participate with these sort of physical differences that could be quite dramatic. What, how, is, how is this uh, event uh, designed to sort of work around that type of physical challenges or physical differences? So there's a, there's a minimum requirement in the tournament rules around participation. So uh, there's, a, there's a guaranteed uh, participation 
rate for every player, regardless of whether they're the biggest kid or the smallest kid or the best kid or the worst kid or whatever it happens to be. It's uh, it's very much uh, very much a uh, a minimum participation requirement. So. You know, you're not the kids don't expect to be rocking up to a game at nine o'clock in the morning and spending the whole game on the bench just because they're the they're the smallest kid. Um, and as Gareth said earlier, the Barclay Cup's been positioned where really, if you want to play in it, we'll find you a team. Mm. Um, and so on that basis, the the talent is is spread out. It's not condensed in in one team. So. Um, one of the the requirements of the of the tournament is that states are entering more than one team, and um, in the in the early stages, uh, the the bigger states have obviously found that easier than than the littler states. So, uh, so WA, Victoria, New South Wales, and Queensland have got more than one team competing in the event. So, the teams will have a mix of. Uh, you know the stronger, more experienced kids who uh, who keep them competitive. I suppose they're going to be girls that can can jump on the mound and throw strikes, and uh, you know the ones that are, that can get key hits in 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 clutch situations. So that there's there's good action and balls are being put in play. Uh, but at the same time, um, the squads are relying on you know the the younger kids or the smaller kids or the ones who may not have played as much. They're heavily relied on in the squads because, I mean, in our case, in WA's case, we've got a team of twelve and a team of eleven. Um, so all the all the girls in both squads are going to be required uh, every game to do their bit on the field and you know and and participate in the games. So um, the management really is is kind of easy because. You don't really have the luxury over a seven-day tournament of having kids that don't play because you just over in a tournament format you just won't survive. So you need all hands on deck. Everyone's going to get a really good go. Everyone's going to get lots of at bats. Um, those that want to pitch, they're going to be able to do a lot of pitching because every arm's going to be needed. Um, so the format and the fact that the talent is spread out across multiple teams really means that. You know, regardless of ability level, um, experience, whether you're tall, whether you're short, whether you're fast or whether you're not, um, everyone's going to be needed just to get through the seven days. So um, uh, everyone should have a great experience. And I, I think oh, there's also the I think there's also the element of um, role modelling, right? So if if we can. Um, the, I guess the older kids, the, the more experienced kids or the kids that are uh, better equipped um, in terms of have better developed skills can role model those to the, the younger or less experienced kids as well. So them getting the chance to play on the same field and, and be in the mix with those other kids that might be a little bit more experienced, a little bit more capable, um, has a positive effect on the kids in terms of role modeling and showing them um, how things get done um, you know, what, what it looks like to play at a certain level, that sort of thing. Um, and then providing leadership opportunities to the, the older players or the more experienced players in the group to, to take on a leadership role and, and help some of the other kids that might not have that level of experience. I think they're all positive things that can come out of it as well. I was interested to know how, how like, what was the level of interest? Did we, was it easy to fill teams as in there was demand? 
because I'm assuming there's a potential for this to continue growing. If if the participants have a great experience, it you know just kind of looking at your site, it's relatively cost effective in comparison to um, many state tournaments that are held. Um, what was the level of initial interest, and and then is there scope for this to be more and more teams if if states can provide them, or will you always cap it at two? No, so the so it's a minimum of two. So we say in New South Wales, we I think was very close to having three. Um, so, uh, I mean, in the interest over here, initially we had, you know, our initial uh, interest was we were very close to having three teams. Um, one of the factors for for us um, that put off some of some of our families in taking up positions in teams was cost. Um, obviously, with the the cost of um, air fuel as it is at the moment, mm. the, the cost of our girls to go to the Gold Coast is, is actually quite expensive. Mm. Um, the tournament's going to be in Perth next year, so uh, obviously from a WA point of view, it's going to be a lot cheaper for, for our girls to attend the tournament next year than it is uh, this year. So uh, cost is somewhat of a, of a factor that, that would um, impact people's interest in the in the event but we were never at risk of not having two teams which is uh which is really good and it's a, a lot greater interest than we've not had previously with our wa state team going to the youth women's championship so uh the participation um uh, not advertising but the positioning it in the participation space has been a, i think a real winner because it's made the the event more attractive to uh, to girls who probably wouldn't otherwise put their hand up for a traditional state team, um, and I think the fact that we've got nine teams from across the country makes it the biggest. I would I would say biggest youth women's event that that we've had. I don't know that there's been one with nine in it before. So I think the demand just by that number is showing that it's there. Uh, and we've already had interest from overseas, so there's um, potential next year and beyond that we may even have some uh, teams, particularly from Southeast Asia, that may even uh, enter teams into the tournament. So it may become an international event more than just a national event as the year goes on. Mm, wow. Um, I guess the one piece we haven't talked about is the significance of the tournament name. Can you can you gentlemen sort of shed some light on how the name Barclay um, it came to be the you know the, this is what we're going to call this event and and provide some backstory on that please. Well, so Jacinda was uh, was a player who started she started playing t-ball in in Perth, um, and then from there she's gone on and done uh, an extreme extremely uh, widespread amount of of uh, sporting activities in in her career and. Uh, so she played in the the Legends Football League, the the Women's American Football League in the in the states. Um, she obviously played a lot of baseball for WA and New South Wales, uh, and was a regular member of the Australian national women's baseball team. Um, and of course, she she played AFLW for the for the GWS Giants. Um, so she was a major player um, in the women's sporting. Landscape and uh, a real champion of of women's baseball and touched a lot of people in her journey and you know no, no one's ever ever got a bad word to say about Jacinda it's it's always all the the stories that people tell about her are all spoken about with an enormous amount of affection and love and 
we lost her a few years ago, of course, and um, it really put um, uh, shockwaves through, particularly the baseball community where she was so well loved and respected. Um, so when we were talking about the the event, and it was really just we were calling it youth girls event, um, and we knew we couldn't call it that. So uh, in the, the forum of participation managers, um, one of the suggestions, and I think it was actually Michael Ibbotson from New South Wales that said, why don't we call it the Barclay Cup uh, in honour of Jacinda? And uh, we didn't even have to, you know, brainstorm or discuss that. Everyone just nodded and said, yep. So um, <clears throat> one of the things we had to do was get the get the permission of the family. So I contacted Jacinda's mum, Deb, um, and she didn't even hesitate. She just said yes. So um it wasn't a hard decision and it wasn't hard in terms of getting approvals to um, put Jacinda's name to the uh, to the event and uh, I think that just adds to it. I think it just adds another dimension to the, the tournament that the the name of the event has so much significance in the women's baseball space. That is, uh, yeah, that's a cool story and, um, yeah, what... what what better name? It's um, yeah, it's fantastic. And you sort of, if if people out listening haven't, it's interesting to go back and look at Jacinda's profile, who's elite athlete on <laughs> across multiple sports. It's uh, quite phenomenal. So um, yeah, it's a it's a real testament to her contributions that something like this has been named after, and, and you know, hopefully, it's a huge success and continues on. Um, I'm just interested to talk about. Um, I guess participation from a female perspective in baseball, um, I can imagine that you know you can just see softballers with their pitchforks storming storming the baseball gate, saying "Stop taking our players." But just how is the sport growing, and, and what is what is the draw card from a sport like softball, which has been a traditionally a female um, sport in Australia when it when it comes to sort of. Um, ball sports like baseball and softball. Softball's always been the or the more dominant one. But what is it about baseball, and what are the participation numbers looking like nowadays? Uh, I think they're generally on the increase. Um, a number of um, the clubs, at least in Queensland, um, you know, they've they've seen an increase across the board in terms of all participation. But um, with the last. Four or five years, we've had a, a women's and girls state titles. So, um, you know, in Queensland, we've kind of had a, a concerted effort to try and provide more opportunities for them to play. Early on in the piece, we kind of identified that we really needed somewhere for them to play um, female uh, against female, rather than have them have to compete for spots against male counterparts in representative teams. Um, what we were finding was they, they'd make representative teams, but um, typically they wouldn't get to play in their preferred key position. They'd, they'd get shuffled into another position. Um, and so, you know, we were, we were lacking things like shortstops and catches and that sort of thing. So um, having these events that allow them to play these key positions um, and, you know, genuinely compete for a, a, a roster spot, um, it, it just provides them with opportunities to play those key positions. And I think that opportunity has seen the, the participation grow. Is there opportunity for, and please excuse my absolute ignorance here, but you know, traditionally youngsters have started off playing T-ball and then you get to a certain age and 
boys would go to baseball and girls would go to softball. Um, is, is there are there transition pathways, or what are, what are you seeing from girls going from t-ball into baseball? Are they is that a pathway that exists, or are they drifting off away from the sport and coming back to it later? How is that transition taking place? No, I think um, at least at least in Queensland, most of our our girls are sort of um, the, the girls that end up playing at sort of fourteen and sixteen years of age. <coughs> excuse me, they they've generally stuck with throughout, and I think uh, it, it's the same whether you're a male or a female, right? It, it's kind of a sport that, in order to to give yourself the best chance at you know excelling at it later in life, you kind of have to play from an early age. Mm. You know, you, you, we know that if you throw from a young age, you can change the, the morphology of your shoulder to better support throwing at a, at a later age. So there's all sorts of advantages involved with playing from a young age. But uh, I think the, the programs that we've had in place, the off-season development programs uh, and the competitions that we've put in place have, one, demonstrated that, you know, we're, we're taking a genuine interest in trying to develop the skills of these players and two there's a place for them to play so you know they haven't been forced to go and play softball in order to get games they've they've had a place to play um you know and, and they haven't had to compete for um a, a spot against males um you know in in, in like a, a senior competition or a, a junior competition and therefore have been able to play their, their preferred position. Um, and every state's programs are different too, Gareth. Um, yeah, that's true. That's, that's where I was going to yeah. go. Next. That's, that's what it's been like for, for us in Queensland for the last few years. Um, but, I mean, it, there are other states with other challenges. So I'll let Hazy talk a bit more about what's going on in WA. Yeah, well, we've only had a specific junior girls competition this year will be our as my memory, I think it's only our third year that we've got a girls-only league uh, for 13 to 16-year-old girls. So, you know, even up until recently, if you were a 13 to 16-year-old girl and you wanted to play softball, uh, baseball, you were you were just playing in a in a regular season team, and you were you know you were probably going to be the only girl in the team. Um, and whilst that suits some girls and there's there's a um, you know a, a number of girls that enjoy that um, that experience and that um, challenge of you know of being in that environment. We also know we lost a lot of girls that wanted to be in a competition, well, a league of their own. Dare I say it? Um, and so we found um, we we basically went from from zero players in a girls only league to. I think our first year we had 80. Um, so we're going to run it again this year when it starts in the middle of November and we're already up to over 40 uh, for that for this year as well. So it was it's important when we're talking about pathways is, is it's not just about performance pathways but very much about participation pathways to say, well, how can we as states provide environments where girls simply want to participate and not be put off by the environment that we're expecting them to play in. So having girls-only structures is really, really important. So the only female competition that we had over here up until recently was the women's open grade, um, and you had to be 16 to, to play in that. So between T-ball and going into women's competition, 
the girls were expected to play in the regular Saturday afternoon competitions and a lot of girls just chose not to do it. So in order for us to, to remain relevant and be attractive in terms of uh, a, a viable option for, for girls when, in our case, they're choosing, well, what sport am I going to do this summer? Is if you're a 14-year-old or 15-year-old girl, then we want to make sure we're a viable option when they're considering all the different things on the table because it's a really competitive market out there. You know, uh, girls have only got a certain amount of hours on the weekend that they can they can devote to um, to sport. And whilst it's not a competition between sports, um, players can't do everything, and they have to manage their time. And we certainly want to be the first or second choice. So. Um, one of the things that we're, we're working with the T-Ball Association over here uh, on implementing this year is a girls' T-Ball competition, which would be a Wednesday night midweek league. Um, so it's not just about the girls playing in mixed competition until they finish T-Ball. Um, we also want to expand the pathway so that girls get to a point where they can start playing girls' T-Ball into girls' baseball into uh, women's baseball and so from a, a state pathway point of view I think that that completes it so that girls have got a genuine pathway that is specifically female um, and then the Barclay Cup the Australian Youth Women's T- Championship and those sorts of events then cater for those players who want to do a little bit more uh, I want to have a participation national experience I want to be a performance athlete you can then come out of your your state-based pathway and and take that further. Um, and the Barclay Cup, from a participation point of view, is what fills that, that national gap that we've currently got. So it's just about developing new structures. And, and as states, it's just looking at the game differently and not being too traditional in our thinking and saying, well, this is the way we've always done it, so this is the way we're going to continue doing it. The market today is very, very different. Um, and the AFLW, uh, the NRLW, um, you know, there are a lot of um, competing uh, interests in sport now and very attractive-looking sports in the, the youth girls' space, and we've got to try and keep up with that. I appreciate it's a Friday afternoon and your mind may be heading towards that first cold beverage of the, the weekend, but I wanted to throw this one at you. Would it... What does this sport need from a female perspective to succeed? If you had a blank sheet of paper, what would you do to make female baseball a roaring success? I think you need to ask for uh, some contributions from the females rather than <laughs> KZ and I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> we'd have to, I'm happy, yeah. to, happy to help achieve it, but um, we'd have to ask them what they want, I think. Right, and we've got a we've got a women's development council that we've set up over here too, which means we don't have to be. You know, I'm a fifty plus year old male who's not going to come up with all the the answers to the world in the the, the female participation space. So it's important that the the community has really ha- is is in the driver's seat. So, but I mean, some of the stuff I suppose what I can communicate to you is some of the stuff that the women's development council is talking about, and I suppose that's representative of where the WA community is at the moment in terms of that sort of thinking, if, if that helps the conversation. Um, 
what, I mean, it's the uh, you can't be it if you can't see it. I know that's a that's a real sort of catch catch cry amongst the you know certainly the AFLW and NRLW at the moment is um, women's baseball has no national exposure, so it's very difficult to compete with the AFLW, who we get to see nine games a, a weekend on TV. Um, when when there's no real ability for you know a 13 or 14 year old girl to turn on the television and go well here's you know here's a team from Perth playing against a team from Brisbane and uh, and they're playing women's baseball and yeah mum and dad that's what I want to do um, so really I mean and it's no different to the overall game itself I suppose is uh, is the things that probably do hold the the game back in Australia is is a lack of national profile, um, and as always, is probably a lack of money. Um, you know, we're not uh, we're not in the business of signing billion dollar TV contracts like the AFL does, and so you know, a lot of the times we're trying to develop these pathways and these new programs and new new events uh, on the smell of an oily rag. So um, when you when you're cash poor. And um, and profile poor, I suppose, just as the sport overall, it makes it not uh, it makes it more difficult to then position yourself in the market of saying, come and come and play our sport. We think it's the greatest in the world, but it's probably one of the best kept secrets too. Not bad by me starting off with a factually incorrect statement, then asking a question, having Gareth Dunk on me. Um, that was, um, <laughs> it, but it, it makes sense. Like there's, there's so many. You know, we're asking to increase female participation, but and many of the people running the sports are, are not female. So that that's an interesting avenue to, to get more input is to have more female administrators in typically male-dominated sports. Um, um, and then running events like this that you guys have got coming up, this this participation event that hopefully allows um, young players to, to play the game, to appreciate uh, the tournament environment, the collegiate um, experiences of travelling with um, other girls who are passionate about a sport and and, and sort of starting it at a grassroots level. So, um, gentlemen, really appreciate your time and 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 thank you very much. The uh, the the event looks particularly interesting, and hopefully, we can continue to grow it. And that idea of having international participation sounds pretty cool as well. So, thank you very much, and and all the best for the uh, for the tournament. Yeah, I uh, I didn't mean to dump on you. I guess uh, it's more representative. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. a good answer. Well, it's, it's more representative of the thought process applicable regardless of gender that we're representing other people that, you know, we, we need to get their consent for where we're going. 100%. No, it, was, uh, it, was a, it was a great answer to probably not a well-thought-out question, to be honest with you, so, uh, <laughs> so well done. And, and all the best, gents. Thank you very much. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you.